on GT Channel with Sam Itani, James McKeon, and Taro Koki. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Podspeed. Thank you for tuning on, tuning in. We are at number 46, so we just keep going. We're almost at 50, guys, so I think that's going to be a huge milestone when we get there. I mean, we are unstoppable. Uh, who are, gonna get at, yeah. who are we going to get at 50? I don't know. We, we Maybe we'll get a few guys. Maybe we'll, if Ken wins the uh, his next event, maybe we'll ask him back with a couple other guys. So, hey, pressure's on you, Ken. But uh, before <laughs> we get to Ken, uh, let me introduce you to my cohorts here, uh, Mr. James McKeown of No Breaking, our uh, token British guy and race reporter slash enthusiast. And then, of course, Taro Koki, the... Uh, uh, president of GT Channel, who uh, sponsors Podspeed. And today we have uh, pretty much a legend now, uh, Mr. Ken Gushi, uh, drifting drifting extraordinaire, uh, uh, Japanese-American. I, I, you know, Ken, I've met you a couple of times. I don't know if you're, are you a, are you a, a Japanese citizen or are you an American citizen? Because you, you're, you're fluent in both languages, so. I am. Um, actually, I am. I am a Japanese citizen with a Japanese passport who has oh, a green are? card to stay in the states. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I was born in Japan. But you've been here a long time because your English is perfect. So, I don't know about perfect, but yeah, I've been here pretty much my entire life. Yeah. So, and your English is better than your Japanese. Do you think, or is it? Are they both? Like I, I like to think so. I mean, I hope so. I've been here longer than i've ever been in japan so if that was the other way around i wouldn't know what to say about myself okay but there you go there now we know of his uh what his uh, ethnic background and his citizenship is all but uh <laughs> so uh uh the man uh, among us who knows uh things all drifting is mr taro koki so taro go ahead and i will uh hand it off to you cool thanks well uh ken uh welcome to uh this corner we like to call taro's circle of car friends <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad I'm part of your circle. <laughs> we're, we're running I, I out. I like that we've just announced that in, sec in session of 46. I, I didn't know. It, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that formal. We, I didn't know either. But I think we're running out now. We are. I, I only have about 50 <laughs> friends, so it's like we're at 46, so we're about to run out of people to call. But uh, hey, Ken, it was uh, it actually it was good to see you on Saturday. I, um, we bumped into each other uh, very briefly at the evasive uh, event. Oh. Yeah, um, I don't know if you remember. Maybe you had a couple drinks in you. <laughs> no, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we were at that event, guys. Um, Dai's um, Pike yeah, Speak car speak, reveal yeah. at at Evasive. Sam, um, were you there at that event as well? No, I uh, I I was watching on uh, on the on Facebook and those guys. Posted. Oh, you did you didn't get the invite either, Sam? Is that what's happening? Oh no, uh, no! I usually invite myself to those, but I was. Oh, uh, it's just me that didn't get the invite this yeah, time. I guess. Okay, all right. Just I see what it is now. I see what it is. Ken, how was it uh, seeing everybody? I mean, I, I, you've been to the Formula Drift events, obviously, because you compete. But um, yeah. has it been a long time since you were at at an event where like everybody was like you know all, all there at once? Yeah, it was almost weird to see everyone. Actually, it kind of felt like another SEMA gathering of the same industry circle. I mean, you know how it is when we go to SEMA shows. It's always the same group of guys, same people <laughs> building badass cars. And it felt exactly like it was pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Formula Drift started back up this year, welcoming back all the fans. Thank God. So it's been a pretty hectic two rounds with, you know, trying to get up to speed again, mm -hmm. uh, being so up and close to fans. But it's great. I mean, it's 
I'm vaccinated. A lot of people out there are vaccinated. So I really, you know, don't have to really keep my guard up and ask them to put on a mask anymore, which is awesome and amazing. Um, but, you know, last year, having had four rounds of a condensed season in Formula Drift, it was just, um, well, first of all, props to the guys at FD for even doing it because it was almost as if we were about to have no season at all, but yep. they managed to push through and have a condensed four four weekend, eight round season in 2020 uh, with no fans. But this year, you know, we had two jam packed rounds already. We're actually going to our third round in two weeks in New Jersey. And again, we're expecting a full crowd. So it's nice to see some sort of normalcy come back. And uh, going back to the evasive it, I know it's just great to see everyone, you know, happy out and about people bringing their families. And of course, evasive bringing a full blown electric Pike Speed Kill Climb car in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> which they're about to uh, debut at the Hill Climb in three weeks. So, um, yeah, props to them, props to those guys. And I uh, just want to wish Dai a really safe and uh, really good race up the hill. You get uh, mistaken with die a lot. I mean, it's it's like an ongoing <laughs> uh, joke, yep. right? I mean, I I never thought that you guys looked like each other, but I mean, Taro, Taro, come on, but, we're we're both Asian, so well, maybe hey. to James they might look to, like you know sometimes James <laughs> looks just like you know yeah, someone. But Sam, Sam, I'm I'm not I'm not one kidding. Of, like I'm one not, of our guests. Well, Sam, I'm not kidding. I I was hanging out with die at an event. James, and, uh, are you frozen? Oh no, you're there. Some, some you no, I'm moving, Sam. I'm here. That's right. I'm just <laughs> you're, you're just in disbelief. While you, while you make fun of me, yes, that's no, no, exactly no, no. what happens. This is like an ongoing, you know, thing. They don't look. They don't look anything alike to us. They don't. But I'm, yeah. I'm not. Let me tell you the story. I mean, this dude walked up right in front of Dai, pointed at him, and he goes, "The goosh," you know, just walks away. <laughs> And it's not the first, that's not the only time that's no, happened. It's not. I mean, I've seen Dai have co total conversations with someone and they, they, and Dai's just too nice to tell him, hey, I'm not Ken, but, <laughs> you know, he's, he's had a 10 minute well, conversation. As soon as Dai opens his mouth, you'll know he's not Ken because Dai's accent's so damn hard. He's talking to, to Ken. Um, well, I get that all the time, actually. Does that happen yeah. too? Yeah, I will not yeah, I have that. a whole album in my phone. That I call, that I named Ken Die, you know, fuck up, f up. Um, it's people tagging Die as myself or tagging me as Die, um, and uh, even at the events, people come up to me like Die, hey, that was a great run, you know. And I'm I'm actually not as nice as Die, so I tell them straight up, hey man, you got the wrong guy, Die's over at the Falcon booth. Oh, you do tell them? You don't? You don't just kind of say? Oh, I don't play along with it. No, I, I don't take that kind of shit. <laughs> Yeah. I've I've had one dude come up to me at a Formula Drift event when I was walking around with a camera. He goes, "Larry oh, yeah. Chen, Speed Hunters." <laughs> this hey, is like you kind of look like Larry. Look nothing <laughs> like Larry. What are you talking about? It's like, it's like God. Man. You guys wear the same kind of hat sometimes, though. Maybe. maybe yeah. I mean, well, I had a just I had like a probably like a GT Channel hat on. I have I have mm. no idea how that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, but hey, it's it's great to uh, see you uh, competing. Um, yeah. Out, out, you know. Uh, so you, there was a big change uh, with your team and your car last year. Uh, tell us about. Um, can you tell us about about how that all that happened? I mean, you um, you still work with Greddy, um, yep. obviously, but you run your own team now, right? That's what um, uh, Kenji was telling us. Yeah. 
I do. Yeah. So you're right. Um, on the surface level, outside looking in, it actually seems like nothing has really changed. I mean, I still rock the big Gretty banner. Mm -hmm. uh, the team is still called Gretty Performance Toyota Race or Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, GR Supra. Uh, but internally, I actually took over the team from Gretty and uh, kind of gave them a little space to focus on their business aspect um, because that's what Kenji wanted to do was to kind of switch over so that they can focus a little bit more on their business. And then I take the shift to kind of take over the program and run it on my own, which I've been wanting to do for many years. now. I wanted to actually be the team owner mm -hmm. um, and see how it's like to be a owner slash operator slash driver. So um, that's kind of what happened. I established Kengushi Motorsports in 2016 mm -hmm. and took everything under my wings to basically run my own program and I got to say, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I give it up to guys like Chris Forsberg, um, even Von Gen Jr., who, who operate their team and have to go out there and perform and, yeah. you know, and win. Yeah, and yeah. so it's uh, a lot of people say, like, running your own team is kind of like running a business. But on top of running a business, I have to go out there and perform. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's, it's a lot of work. It's full time for sure. I didn't think this was going to happen where I'm like constantly, constantly staying on top of things like logistics, um, lodging for my team, mm -hmm. um, expenses, how do I pay for certain things? And um, yeah, it's a lot of work. That's but, why you're driving your car. To the, that's why you're driving your, your, the rig, right? All the way out. Yeah, yeah. So actually that change kind of just happened recently where I, um, so if I backtrack a little bit, up until last year or before the pandemic, I had my own trailer, mm -hmm. uh, which we were operating out of, operating out of um, as Grady Performance and Kangushi Motorsports. But going into the season last year, um, I, I really had no need for it because Achilles Radio was hauling my equipment, my race car. And so my only thing was to fly in, race, fly out, um, and then take care of my internal team mm -hmm. expenses. Yeah. But uh, starting this year, Achilles um, obviously went, they left Formula Drift as a, as a manufacturer. And so I switched over back to Nexon Tire. Oh, by the way, thank you, Paul, for that. <laughs> but uh so once i switched over um originally had an agreement where one of the other nexon guys would haul my equipment and car for me but um it was it's just uh we need a little bit more space within the paddock mm -hmm. and having to share pit space is it's great in a sense that we don't have to worry about the race car being um, hauled around but um operating out of a pit space where you're confined in space is really not the ideal situation for myself, my team, and of course my sponsors. So mm -hmm. I went ahead and uh, bought a trailer as soon as we got back from Orlando, which was a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. And uh, I'll be hauling my own equipment once again. So that was the shift that happened recently, but you're right. The bigger shift or the bigger change was obviously taking ownership of my own team and then switching over to my new brand new GR Supra, which uh, happened last year, actually. So we built, the, we got the GR Supra, late 2019, mm -hmm. uh, started the build in December of 19. Uh, and then we were gonna campaign for the 2020 season, but COVID happened and everything got shut down. Everything got delayed. Long Beach got pushed back. I actually remember the weekend when the Australian Grand Prix for Formula One was happening and then they postponed it when they were all already there already. So as soon as that happened, I called Jim now at FD. I was like, hey, you're following the news, right? There's this <laughs> crazy outbreak. And Formula Drift is in a few weeks. Like, what's 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 the thing? He's like, yeah, we're, we're on it live right now. And then um, as soon as they called FD that they were postponing Long Beach, mm -hmm. um, things started to really look 
like really dim in a grand scale. And so, of course, I'm still building my car. I'm still waiting on parts to come in. Um, you know, even the situation at Gretty where I was building the car, uh, we didn't know what was going on. So Kendra's like, all right, we're just probably going to have to shut it down for now. Mm -hmm. um, and then really wait out, wait out the situation. Um, and so that was crazy. Like I'm in the middle of building a competition car and everything's mm -hmm. just shutting down left and right. Parts are not coming in. And uh, it was very, very, uh, it was a very scary time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did it take you to finally get that car done? I mean, it, it, that let that uh, kind of everything shutting down didn't give you the like time to take your time and make the, and build the car. It, it, it didn't. It, it didn't. didn't. It did in a sense that because I was rushing it to make it to Long Beach, right? Um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise, right? But not not really because parts were delayed anyways. But right, right. as soon as they called off Long Beach, I was like, okay, cool. I have maybe a month more. Yeah. Uh, but then they shut everything down so i couldn't get material i couldn't get parts right. the body shop was closed everything was closed so all i could do was maybe the small stuff that i had to go back to where i was kind of holding off on the mm -hmm. chassis side um but for the most part i was waiting around and hoping that things would start to open up and come in but the actual build we didn't finish till i would say late july early august which if the season wow. was had started in a normal time frame obviously that would have been way too late yeah, you know we yeah. start normally in april so um the good thing is we we managed to get it done uh, we worked around you know having everything shut down uh, and for that i'm very thankful for my for my sponsors and partners because they actually some of them even went out of their way to go back into their warehouse um and ship things out mm. for us to get our car car done um but yeah it, it all happened the season happened and here we are are you happy with uh, the way your supra has uh, turned out as as you have you made a lot of adjustments since last year uh, going into this year um we we did so i actually had the car at my own shop so i actually have my own shop now in temple city which i'll talk about in a little bit but mm -hmm. um we had it here at my shop i did a lot of the changes here in-house um, the biggest change was actually updating the engine platform. Uh, we still stuck with the B58, which is the original engine that comes in the GR Supra, but we updated the head to the 2021 model, which comes with a six-port exhaust side, as opposed to a two-port design that came in the original 2020 GR Supra. So that was a newer head design, uh, which flowed better overall, gave us more power. Uh, and then we updated some of the bottom end parts, like the main caps. We, we, we got them made out of billet from Sleeper Designs in Vegas. So what we found where the weak links running the engine program last year, we updated everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so far the engine itself has been great, um, but we have been having a few issue, issues with suspension setup. I even some parts of the, you know, suspension that kind of broke where I was, I, I wouldn't say premature, but maybe, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very underdeveloped car still, and we're still continuing to develop it. So uh, we're finding out that these parts could be designed you know, in a different manner so I can withhold some of the bumps um, in more of the aggressive tracks of the series. What kind of power overall, is it right now? Sorry, what was that? Oh, what kind of power is it making right now? It's making about 900 horsepower and 900 pound-feet of torque. Um, very, very reliable engine setup right now. We lowered the boost a little bit just to maintain a little bit more reliability. Um, but drivability still needs a little bit more work. I mean, I've only had one test day 
uh, before the car left to the East Coast. And once it leaves to the East Coast, we don't see it back for a couple of months mm -hmm. until the East Coast rounds are down and then it comes back to the West Coast. But in between rounds, we're, we're, we're continuing to you know, strategize what changes need to be made to be a little bit more competitive on the track. But mm -hmm. so far, we've found that the car is you know, potential, it's got more potential than my old 8.6 or the FRS that we had campaigned for eight years, mm. um, as far as mechanical grip goes. Um, and a lot of the chassis dynamics mm -hmm. that come with a brand new car and a brand new build. Um, but it's just, you know, having more seat time with it is what I've been lacking. And if we can get more seat time in it and make the changes that I think are going to help us. It should, um, we should start to see a lot more improvement. Jan, I got a question. Uh, how much, uh, you know, working on this car, how much um, German uh, flavor do you see in there? I mean, has that been an adjustment or does it, are you, is it uh, just, you know, uh, business as usual? Uh, it's, it, even though it's got some German underpinnings or a lot of it, um, it's still a Toyota and we're, you know, we've, we, you, you haven't done too much different or you and, you know, uh, Kenji and uh, yeah. your team. Well, I'll tell you what, I did have to buy a whole new tool set just to be able to work on some of these uh, oh, really? bolts and hardware. Mm -hmm. So this car, as everyone knows by now, was a co-development with BMW. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it on the chassis side uses BMW hardware. So that's Torx, E-Torx, um, 16 mil bolts and nuts, 18 mil bolts and nuts, um, 13 mil. And these are you know, tools that I've never had to use on a, on a Toyota, a genuine Toyota. Yeah. Um, but not, nothing, not to take away from that, but yeah, I, to answer your question, I did have to buy a whole new tool set <laughs> and uh, use for once a 16 millimeter wrench and socket, which I was, which I never thought I'd ever use in my life. Now, do you, did you find any difference in like the, not, I wouldn't say build quality because Toyota and BMW are both very qualitative, uh, you know, very high quality um, companies, but um, like a difference in, you know, how they were, how they were set up, how the, you know, the suspension, you know, how, you know, the angles and all that kind of stuff is, did you, did you see it? Did you notice differences? Yeah, I did. So the first thing I noticed was how they had attached the whole front end to the main body of the car and the front end of the GR Super is actually all aluminum from mm -hmm. a shock tower forward. Mm -hmm. um, and the way they bonded the whole front end to the steel part of the body was, Kind of interesting and then of course the steel part itself the metal is so hard <laughs> that i i don't know how many drill bits i went through but i went through oh, really? so many drill bits because especially the trans tunnel sheet metal mm -hmm. it is ridiculously hard <laughs> like i didn't know it was gonna be that hard and i almost broke my wrist actually trying to oh. hole saw some holes so i can uh, get some water lines uh, through the body towards the back end of the car where the radiator sits. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that was some. Um, Those Germans don't mess around with their steel, man. They don't. No, that yeah, that was that was what I was like. Oh my god, I. Oh. And there's, there uh, were slight differences. That's kind of cool that you notice that kind of stuff. You know. And how about uh, weight reduction? Have, do you see like evidence of of? Uh, well, is that high tensile steel that they're using? Is it is it lighter than regular like? steel or is it uh is it the same um i have no idea as no. far as the steel goes but the whole front end is really light so when we had mm. completely stripped the car and it was just bare chassis the chassis was on the frame or the the lift the four post lift and mm -hmm. i can lift up the front end 
like really easy actually it was it was amazing to see how easy it was to lift up the whole front end of the car um just by myself so yeah the, the car itself in bare form is extremely light and they they did a pretty good job in choosing in what areas to lighten and then keeping you know the harder steel areas in certain components like the trans tunnel and some of the the structural rigidity areas like the the main hoop or the a pillars um even across the a pillar going into the middle of the roof back towards the rear shock tower it's all hard steel mm. wow interesting what's the biggest difference between the uh the 86 the frs that you used to drive until uh, 2019 Oh, well, I mean, there's a lot of differences, um, but I try to make it as close as I can as far as drivability goes in terms of suspension, suspension setup, um, alignment, and even overall feel with how the car rotates, the dynamics of the car. But no matter how hard I try to make it close, um, I think that's the wrong way to approach it because the Supra, the GR Supra platform is so much better than you know, the 8.6 I've been driving for eight years. And I say better because the 8.6 that I drove was so beat up. I mean, that had eight years under its belt. Um, every season that we competed with that car, it got banged up and we tried to straighten it out. So that car itself wasn't straight to begin with going into its last season mm -hmm. before we moved on to the GR, the GR platform. So um, I think uh, ment mentally I had to change that approach mm. and really kind of, I guess, embody what the GR Supra is capable of and really pull out the best of its potential instead of, you know, going backwards and trying to make it similar to the 8.6. Mm -hmm. And I say that because it is really, it really has that much more potential. Um, I, see. I see. Well, wheelbase is pretty different, isn't it? Uh, between the two? It cars? is. So oh, the that's FRS that's was- a different car, yeah. Yeah. So the FRS was a little bit longer in the wheelbase. It was 101.2 inches. And then the GR Supra is somewhere around 97 inches. So it's mm -hmm. pretty big difference. And not only that, but the Supra is significantly wider. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of having a car that was, you know, long wheelbase and short track, it's actually short wheelbase and really wide tracking. So it became a square, which tends to make it a little bit more um, peaky and snappier mm -hmm. and sometimes harder to drive, um, less predictable, but uh, the companies that I work with in the suspension department, like KW and Wisefab, they're, yep. I mean, they're both, they've been in drift long enough and motorsports even longer mm -hmm. to really help me in aiding the suspension setup. So it doesn't seem so difficult to drive, but um, yeah, it's dynamically an entirely different car than the 8.6. Yeah. I see. And, and the driving style, uh, are you having to adjust uh, your driving style um, to a different platform now? Not necessarily. I mean, I like to think that my driving style has kind of remained the same, you know, just snappy transitions. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess uh, the drift itself tries to be, I try to make it smooth, um, but just aggressive transit transitions and uh, really exciting. But the Supra platform is actually more suited for that kind of style driving only because naturally it's shorter wheelbase tends to make it snappier to begin with. Mm -hmm. While the 8.6, I had to find ways to make the chassis react in a way where it looks like it's snappy when in reality it was actually uh, all you know suspension trickery and tire pressure setup so the gr super does tend to suit that driving style a little bit better than the 86. cool um and you're mentioning your sponsors obviously uh toyota's you're one of your big supporters and sponsors right still to this day correct yeah so i joined uh toyota the toyota 
family back in 2007 as a Scion racing driver when uh, Scion was still around. Uh, we got into it with a Scion TC that was converted to a rear-wheel drive uh, with the RSR team. Yep. And then in 2012, we moved on to the FRS platform, which is, well, obviously now the 86. Um, and then in 2016, Scion went by and went back to Toyota. So then that year, we became the Toyota Racing uh, Drift team. And then in 20, 2020, uh, we launched Toyota Gazoo Racing USA. So I've been in it since day one for Toyota Racing or Toyota Gazoo Racing as far as the drift program goes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's now what? going into 15 years uh, with you're, Toyota. Yeah. You were a Ford guy before that, right? I mean, that uh, I was, you know, what's funny is um, I didn't, Ford, I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't know that I was actually Ford racing's first uh, drift driver. Yeah. Even oh, yeah I remember that. Yeah. You and your dad, right? Were... Well, it was just me. Uh, my dad oh, was. Uh, oh, okay. I figured dad was kind of managing or doing something, something was, behind the yeah, scenes. He was obviously the, the head mechanic for that program, uh, but yeah. So Ken, you know you are uh, you're you've been in the game for a long time, right? Uh, you're now a team owner, right? Uh, you but it sounds like you're still getting excited about like maybe you know uh, setting up this car, the new Supra, you know, new car, and getting behind the wheel. But is it at some point you're going to say, you know what? I kind of like being the team owner, and maybe I'll leave the driving to someone else. Or are we not even near that yet? Uh, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the oldest driver in the series. Actually, my twin brother, Daijiro Yoshihara, is currently. He is the oldest driver. Wow, um, he's the oldest driver now. Gosh, he man. is. He's yeah. still pretty young, so it kind of tells you about the sport, you know? But, yeah. yeah. Um, I have actually been thinking about that idea, and naturally, as a team owner, I think the transition is only natural that I become – right, that I start to kind of take a step back into – as a as a as my role as a driver take a step back and then and be the money pop, guy right right so right. be basically be a Steph Steph Papadakis mm -hmm. um, and manage the team run the team build the cars and hire the young guns because at some point you know you have to realize we have to make room for the next generation of drivers the next generation of talent and you know there's a lot of talent out there that are really young um, in their teenagers and you know, at some point, I am going to have to take advantage of that as a team owner and kind of bring them under my umbrella. But for now, I mean, I still enjoy competing. I really enjoy driving and traveling and, you know, competing against my uh, fellow competitors. So I don't think I'll take a step back just yet, but it's definitely in my uh, in my. I think you're too young to be talking about stepping back. Ken, you're from Okinawa. You're going to live until 150 years. And I was one woman to think, I mean, obviously you've seen Stefan Papadakis take the role from driver and go into team owner. You've seen what it's done to his hair. Do you think you're concerned about that too? If you move into that role? No, because Steph lost his hair while he was a driver. So, well, it was the stress of keeping up with you, I guess, has caused all that loss. You were maybe the cause of it all these years. Well, I'll tell you what, going back to my Okinawan roots, my whole family has a head full of hair. Uh, my grandpa had a head full of hair. My dad still has a head full of hair. So I'm not too worried about my hair. I mean, it looks like I'm doing pretty good as far as the volume goes. So look, it, it's looking, <laughs> I'm just okay. jealous. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I've got the facial hair that Sam hasn't got. I guess he uses augmented reality, but no, I was just, these are the things that concern me, Ken. So I just had to ask them. Get that going. You're right. 
but uh, well, you're uh, say hi to your folks for me. I mean, they're 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 wonderful people. Um, I, I appreciate that. I will. Yeah. Thank you. Um, how did you? Uh, you know, we were we we touched on Euro. You were Ford racing guy at 16 years old, and then you got you know sponsored by Toyota still at a at a young age as well. Um, how did you keep yourself grounded? Um, did you think it was your you know something your parents taught you? I mean. Um, um, why didn't you turn out like Justin Bieber? I mean, you could have easily become that brat, you know, that everybody hated. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, actually. Um, He's got a different personality than Taro. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> he's he, a little silly, right? No, but he, I mean, Ken, you were like, you were the formative years of like your personality. Um, uh-huh. You were, you were sponsored by Ford and people were like, you know, were treating you like you were, a, you know, the second coming. A, a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh I, I don't know i don't know what it is about about that um i think um there was a point where i did feel like i was too good and i felt like you know there was a point where especially when i was with ford racing where i felt like oh i don't need to practice i'm, I'm good enough you know i'll just go out there and and form and win and but that wasn't the case you know that only lasted so long and um, there was a point in my career where I felt like I hit a huge wall mm. and I had to do something about it. And that's when I started to realize, like, I really should keep my head down and stay humble and, you know, continue to, you know, look for ways to become a better driver and, and never, ever really let, I guess, that fame get to my head. And I've stuck by that, actually, this whole entire time was to never let fame get into my head and always treat fans and people with respect. And, you know, I think that's definitely helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to never and my parents have always told me like never think that you're better than anyone else mm-hmm. yeah. so well that's, I think that's your your sponsors see that as well you know as and i think the fans see that and that's why they continue to uh support you i hope so i mean i i do enjoy going out going out there and meeting you know new and old fans and mm-hmm. um just just seeing that like someone like me that came you know from I wouldn't say I came from nothing because I did have my support from my parents, but mm-hmm. um, I just feel like somebody like me, if I, if I can do it, then anyone can, I want to be that inspiration to the next generation or the people that even come out to these events. Yeah. I mean, for, for those of you who, who don't know, um, Ken, you, your dad actually wanted to become a Pike speak race car driver. Right. And then yep, he, yep, you're right. he came to the U S to actually, uh, to race right but you know things weren't easy and you know he, he told me once you know he was a gardener for for quite a long time before he was, he was yeah. a mechanic so it's not like you know you grew up in a you know super uh you know privileged motorsport family um you know you you, you guys you had to kind of work you know you you went to the uh where was that el mirage uh you know dry the, lake bed yeah dry lake bed right that's where your dad taught you how to how to drive and drift and yep. Um, tell tell us about about that how you were growing up and learning how to yeah, yeah. you're right so I, I actually don't come from a privileged family at all so when I was two I moved to the states uh, with my entire family or my dad's side family uh, came to the states um, for a couple of reasons actually so my grandfather um, before he passed away he was actually a very well-known karate master mm-hmm. so he was teaching karate um, across the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had, an, he had an opportunity to move here from Japan and 
you know, basically live out his dream to teach karate. So that was, that was one reason why we moved to the States in the first place. The second reason was also because my dad saw it as an opportunity to race the Pikes Peak Hill climb and then fulfill his dream as a rally driver. So two dreams, you know, one opportunity. So they both came and said, hey, let's all move to the States. Um, I was two, my sister was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both my parents had me at a very young age. They were 19 when they had me. So they were still well, 21 years old when we moved here. Right. Um, essentially kids, right? Yeah, they didn't yeah. go to college. They had kids young. Um, so we all lived under one roof. There was like eight of us in one like four bedroom house mm-hmm. um, living in Monterey Park back in 1990. Uh, and you're right, it was tough. I mean, my grandparents had opened up a cafe when they moved here but none of us spoke English so Mm -hmm. that cafe didn't last and then they went into gardening so my grandfather my uncle my dad you know all were gardeners mowing lawns for a couple of years until my dad started working at a shop in East LA called Asari Auto Mm -hmm. Uh, it was Japanese owned repair shop funny thing is he worked there for maybe five years and then he opened up his own shop in San Gabriel called Gucci Automotive Repair mm-hmm. uh, was there for about seven seven to ten years then and he opened up another location in Whittier for about three years mm-hmm. uh, ended up closing Gucci Auto and bought Asari Auto which was the first repair shop that he had worked oh. at because the owner liked him so much mm-hmm. um, and offered him the, the spot so he bought the shop the company and he was there for 10 years before he recently sold it three years ago mm-hmm. and retired so that was my dad's story. Um, but in, in the meantime, while opening, while operating his um, shop, he built a couple of race cars or a couple of rally cars. Um, one was a 2000 Subaru Impreza or GCA, mm-hmm, yep. 2.5 RS. Uh, I remember flying to Seattle with him mm-hmm. and then driving that car back only because he wanted to build that car for Pikes Peak. I see. Uh, built that car a year later, we went up to the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. This was back in 2007. Mm-hmm. and uh it was our first time there he was excited because like hey ken you know why don't you drive the, the race <laughs> I was like, oh hell yeah okay let's let's go and that was still the year where they allowed co-drivers so oh, my yeah. dad said he would be the co-driver or the co-pilot for that hill climb um but long story short i ended up driving the car off a cliff <laughs> uh, two miles from the start at yeah. engineer's corner and it was just sad because my dad was still making payments on the car for one. Oh. It was a freshly built race car that didn't see any races before that hill climb. And I took it off a cliff. Yeah. Oh God. Um, but, but the happy ending to that story is a year later, he fit, he repaired that car, pulled the frame, freshened it up, went up back, went back to the hill climb and got third place in open class with that same exact car. Awesome. Um, but of course he didn't let me be the co-driver. Until <laughs> this day, we argue about what happened when I took off the car, took the car off the cliff. Ken, what's your story? Okay, so my story, <laughs> my story is that as we were approaching the corner, he didn't call out the stage note. Uh-huh. So I didn't know there was a, a sharp left two hairpin coming up engineer's <laughs> corner. All I remember is going up the fast right-hand turn, going uphill, and all of a sudden, I'm in the air going through <laughs> those trees. He says he yelled out the stage note saying, left two, left two. But the last thing I remember him saying was, oh, shit. I didn't have GoPro cameras back there where you can, like, study the, you know, the course like like we can now. Yeah, they did it. Um, yeah, it was just... Uh, but, I mean, to this day, he probably thinks he's correct 
And to this day, you you, you you think you're correct. I know I'm correct and he's wrong. <laughs> does he still ride with you now though, Ken? Is, has that sort of been water under the bridge and he's got over that sort of in, uh, that previous incident with you and now he's like, I'm more comfortable after all those <laughs> years have passed? Uh, or you stay well, still like white knuckles at, as you're driving, like going down to the, the, the supermarket? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, the, that was the last time he rode with me. But then the <laughs> next time was actually last December. Uh, I gave him a ride in my GR Supra competition car at Apple Valley Speedway. And I actually put up a video of it. I saw on that YouTube, video. Um, YouTube where channel. I let him drive it around. And he, he could not drive that thing at all. Really? And his excuse was, I haven't drifted a car in 15 years. You expect <laughs> me to do that now with a thousand horsepower race car? Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, okay, well. I mean, yeah, if you guys get a chance, check it out. It was pretty funny seeing him struggle with my car. And his excuse was, your seat sits way too low. I cannot see over the dash. You're sitting like way back here, like leaning like a gangster. Like, how am I supposed to drive? Like, I, I, I can see where you get where you get your competitive edge from. You're a comp you know, you're, <laughs> he seems like he's very, well, as we say, hates to lose, right? Yeah, yeah. He's full yeah. of excuses, too. <laughs> so <that's funny. laughs> So why why was it so hard for him to drive? Was it just too much power of anything he's like he's driven? Oh, wait, uh, yeah. According to you, Ken, why was it so hard yeah. for him to drive? I mean, um, to be fair, the the last time he drove a drift car in any sort of competitive nature was way before Wise Fab Kits, way before mm -hmm. the thousand horsepower days. Mm -hmm. It was way before the really high grip tire days, and so. Yeah. Um, you know, now that we have 65 degrees of steering angle, a lot of mechanical grip and really fat high grip tires, it's a whole different playing field now. It's a whole different animal. And, yeah, yeah. you know, he was trying to apply what he remembers back then um, to now. And yeah, this is the video right here, but he just couldn't drive it. I mean, it was so, it was too much for him to handle. And he said, well, actually, so to backtrack towards the end of the day, he was actually starting to get it. Um, and he, he was saying, like, if he had another couple of hours with the car, he would have got it down pretty good. So he's a good driver. Well, he took third at Pikes Peak. So he's he, he does have he does have some skills. Yeah, he's not a bad driver at all. Um, he just needs a little bit more time and he's getting old, too. So I guess you can blame his age for it. <laughs> what do you think about the uh, this new progression, though, of uh, the the power and these new kids coming in, you know, without ever, you know, knowing how to drive, you know, a, a, a you know, small horse, the two horsepower, you know, <laughs> Hachis of, of those days. I mean, what, where do you think drifting is going? Well, so I actually had this conversation this morning with a buddy of mine who runs an event called Final Belt, mm -hmm. which um, at those events, we have a lot more grassroots style. Yep. I guess street style, like very stylish, low to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, there's no grip. It just looks cool. Um, there's those type of guys. And then there's also the competition pro pro car kind of guys where, where our stance sits a little bit higher, but we have a ton of, ton of power, ton of grip and a bunch of, you know, flashy logos. But I guess the drifting community has kind of gave us an opportunity to create different kinds of followings within drifting yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's so there's no one group that determines what drifting is all about. There's a lot of different styles, a lot of different cultures within the drifting community. And so um, a lot has changed. It's not, you know, it's not like we have 200 horsepower Corollas drifting anymore. We have thousand horsepower Corollas, actually. Yeah. Have, you know, 2J swapped Corollas with a thousand horsepower. And so um, it's definitely evolved 
so much. Um, and if you were to ask me like where I see drifting when I first started, like I would have never guessed that I'd be driving for Toyota Gazoo Racing mm-hmm. um, as a factory-backed corporate driver driving their brand new GR Supra. So um, yeah, it's still, you know, I still find myself pinching myself asking if this is all a dream or not, but I'm here. It's all, full, it's all come full, full circle. Do you find there's a sweet spot for you, Ken, where you lack a certain horsepower range? I mean, we take your competition, like, standing out of it, where you're going for, like, the wins and that. But if you're just at, say, for example, at the track, is there, a, like, a horsepower point that you feel is the best to get the most sort of bang for your buck of laps, tires, uh, and fun out of it? Is there any where you see that sort of realm? Yeah, so um, I actually have a – or I, I built a low-horsepower Lexus IS300. Um, which I use as a practice car, but that one has a stock 1JZ engine, which puts out maybe 280 wheel horsepower. But um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't hurt to have a little bit more, but I feel like there's a balance between, you know, fun and cost, right? So the cost it takes for you to buy X amount of tires, take it to the track and then have fun all day. Like how much money do I need to spend to have a full day of fun? At some point, the cost becomes too much where you're buying too many tires because you're going through too much tires uh, with a car that has too much power. So then um, that was kind of the reason why I built a low horsepower IS 300 um, was because I wanted to spend little money, mm-hmm. but more time on track with the same amount of tires or less amount of tires without constantly having to, you know, jack up the rear end, change tires, go back out. And in two runs, you're completely toast. Like, I, di- I didn't want that. If I wanted that, I have a thousand horsepower GR Supra that I could use in competition days, anyways. So. Yeah, and I, but that's got a, your IS is your it's got the sequential shift as well, right? Yeah, so I mean, financially, that part doesn't make sense <laughs> um, because that's not a really cost-effective solution to a broken gearbox. But uh, it's always it's been fun. A dream. Look, it's yeah, great. It's fun. Yeah, see, yeah. the fun factor in that case is like through the roof. So exactly. Yeah. Can I have a question? How um um uh, how about um regular like street racing? You know, racing for time instead of uh or you know racing instead of drifting. Uh, have you uh you you have dabbled in it before, haven't you? Uh, you mean you mean like road racing? Road racing, yeah. Yeah, uh, I have, but I, I guess my biggest one would have to be the Long Beach Grand Prix Pro Celebrity Race. Um, that's wheel to wheel racing, right? But it's not just pro drivers. They throw in a bunch of celebrities um, and of course they go through proper training prior to the main race day but um, that was probably the only form of professional wheel-to-wheel racing that I've done so far um, I, How did I, mean, you feel- I enjoy it I, I just don't know if I enjoy it as much as I do drifting mm-hmm. um, but I definitely love rally racing um, if I had the opportunity to go back to rally I, I would take it any day mm-hmm. Um, and also Pikes Peak Hill Climb. That's just a whole different realm of racing. Yeah. Well, now it's all that. Now that it's all asphalt, it's really not really rallying really too much anymore. But you do yeah, get the car not, sideways a bit, right? Through a lot of the corners. Yeah, I mean Taro has a lot of footage of me drifting up Pikes Peak and still getting on the podium, which was, was a lot of fun. That yeah. was that was a good run. Everybody yeah. was. Uh, my my camera guys were yelling in the radio. Ken's drifting up the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) 
So this was when you completed it and you, you podiumed actually that time with the, with the Gretti uh, FRS. I'll tell you what, that was one hell of a week. So we prepped that car. Um, and of course that was a properly prepped drift car prior to taking it up Pikes Peak. But the opportunity came with Hankook tires to take that car up Pikes Peak and you know run in the Time Attack 1 class. And so we quickly prepared to be a grip car, which wasn't much of a grip car to begin with because it still had the same crazy wise fab kit, mm -hmm. um, a four speed dog box, which was definitely not enough gears. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, all we did was literally stiffen up the springs a little bit and put, you know, grip tires on it or semi slicks from Hankook. Um, once we get there, before we even made it to the mountain, we were going to test that um, PPIR, Pikes Peak International Raceway. Mm -hmm. At that test session, we blew an engine. So we lost an engine. We couldn't run the first two days of practice. Um, so we missed our qualifying. The last day of practice, we, uh, before the last day, we actually had someone overnight the engine, the spare engine that we had actually sold, but we had to buy it back, <laughs> um, put the engine in overnight, and then we barely made it to the last day of practice, which is the upper section. So we ran a few sessions and we'll, we still saw some heating or cooling problems, but because we missed qualifying, we had to start pretty much dead last, mm -hmm. like of the whole run group. And yeah. that would put us closer to like not so good weather time, but um, come race day, um, I really didn't expect to do um, much better than, you know, half the guys running my class mm -hmm. um so i was like you know what like i just want to have fun now like, sure i'll i'll do my best i'll go up but where there's an opportunity to have fun i'm not gonna let anyone tell me otherwise so that's where you saw me drifting up some of the hairpins i'm like tossing it completely the other way into one corner scandinavian flipped the other way like pulling the handbrake and <laughs> going you know putting up the mountain halfway through actually i lost all my coolant and my warning lights just like flashing at me being beaming at my eyes there's no cool in the car i see the oil time starts like rocket up uh, and there's like smoke coming out i'm like oh, whatever i'm not gonna let it stop me so i continued <laughs> up the mountain past devil's playground past bottomless pit and like towards like closer up towards the finish line I'm like oh my god i think i'm actually gonna make it so then i start to like really push the car and like of course i'm still drifting across the finish line as soon as i get off the throttle past the finish line the engine dies just completely shuts off temps are through the roof and um i park where they tell me to park and yoshioka who was driving at the same race comes up to me and says oh man congrats you just took away the last spot on the podium from me like, oh what, what are you talking about he's like yeah you got third place in time attack one class I was like, oh my god i was like I could have taken it a little bit more serious and maybe won the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't drifted through those corners. Yeah. And what happened with the engine? Were you able to resell the engine again? After you there, we just sort of say, it was absolutely fine. Fine went round. Fine went round. Um, had I not posted everything on social media, perhaps we could have. But... <laughs> yeah, just send it, send it back and then, yeah. But, uh, you know, these things happen, right? Yeah, that was a, that was a crazy experience. A lot of emotions. Oh, yeah, of, you uh, probably went from the bottom to top, you know, huh? Because, I mean, you were probably going, dude, why do we even come here? You don't have yeah, a car. I, mean, <laughs> I felt, the I felt so bad for the guys. Yeah, because yeah, they, they pretty much went through two overnighters 
our all-nighters just trying to work on the car and at one point i was actually under the car too trying to wrench on it just to get it ready for practice so was this the same car that you were actually drifting in competition until 2019 is it the same, same? No. So this was the car we first built with the EJ25 Cosworth engine. Mm. And then in 2014, we built a second FRS. So the primary car became a backup car slash demo car I see. Um, that went to Pikes Peak. Um, and then after Pikes Peak, actually, we put a 2J in it mm. because that was going to be my demo car slash backup car for the second 2J FRS that we built. Mm. Um, Grady ended up selling that car to Jonathan, sorry, Jonathan Castro. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's in the Dominican Republic now. Right, right, right. Mm. Well, um, we'll we'll wrap it up uh, pretty soon. I had I just have one one more question um, before we uh, you get to plug whatever you want to. No, he doesn't get to do that yet, Tarek. So I've got one more question for him. Too. All right, I have. Okay, uh, James, you want to go first? Then? Yes, this is the most important question you're ever going to get asked, and obviously, mm. you're a Scion racer. Scion probably had the best merchandise ever seen by any OEM. Yep. What is your favorite Scion merchandise that you still may have or have somewhere in your possession? <laughs> I'll show you socks. right now. Socks. kind of hard to see. There Scion you go. Socks. Still <laughs> the best. One of the best pairs of socks ever. These are the best socks ever made. I've been wearing these guys for well over 10 years. <laughs> this exact pair is soap actually. Wait, wait, James, sure do you have a pair too? I don't, I, I never, Scion socks, you had to be blessed to get the Scion socks. Wow. They're so good. I mean, they were spoken they about, the Scion nice. socks. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I actually, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I really like the mix CDs. That was my thing. Oh, I yeah, the, yeah. The Scion mix CDs were fantastic. And the lip balm was also very good. <laughs> I thought it was always a quality product. Scion had a sub, or I wouldn't know if, I wouldn't know if they call it a subdivision, but they call it Scion AV, uh, which is what you're talking about, the mixtapes and mix CDs, where they cut, where they have um, up and coming artists um, basically collab with Scion and come up with a mixtape. And you're right, like a lot of those CDs were actually pretty good to listen to. <laughs> and some of those artists went to be quite famous in the net results. Yeah, yeah, you're right. yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, Scion merchandise, the best merchandise. I only wish to get to the days back of Scion merchandise. Good, I never day. knew you were a Scion groupie, James. Oh, that merchandise. That was the best. I would line up for that merchandise. I'd be like, yes, I want that swag bag. I've got, you know a, crazy. Of, uh, I've got a pair of Scion Slayer collaboration socks. Oh, was that from SEMA? Yeah, that's from SEMA. From yeah. Remember when they did that? Uh, the I remember. Car? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I did. I, was, I think I was at Road and Track at that time. I didn't know Scion was heavily into... That like yeah, the best. The thing with a the best. icon of the socks day. And, uh, best by far. You go to pass. You go, I low straight like at Simi. You go straight past the Ford booth. Straight, show nothing, nothing there. <laughs> Scions where it's at. Hit yep. me up. I want everything. I want everything you've got. I need doubles at least. <laughs> oh, oh, very um, interesting but, question, James. I like it. That was <laughs> when Scion was still around. Every year they had this thing called Scion Night at Not Scary Farm, and the, basically, if you own a Scion. Everyone who can legally fit in your car, basically, if you had a seatbelt on, within the vehicle gets into Scion Night for free. And um, that was actually one of my favorite events every year was looking forward to Scion Night because, you know, obviously, as a Scion Racing Ambassador, I get to go in for free. And we always had that, like, 
cutting line wristband and <laughs> drinks and the, yeah anyway don't you love being treated privileged, privileged <laughs> I, I take back the, i take back that previous comment about you <laughs> yeah what, what happened to the uh, humble roots of Ken uh, <laughs> he's cutting in front of people I, at not very i take it back <laughs> all right so my last question is um so uh your 2019 final victory at irwindale mm -hmm. right i was there um, I saw uh, that victory meant a lot to you. You were very emotional about that. Yeah. Um, you know, your friends and family and obviously the sponsors were there and everything. Um, how much did that, uh, it, it, from, you know, from a third person's perspective, just looking from the sidelines, it, it looked like it meant a lot to you. Like it, it, it meant a, a lot to you. Uh, yeah. How much did that win mean to you and, and your career in, you know, up, up to that point um so yeah 2019 actually it started off very rough um, we had a very challenging year um, it was my first full year as a team owner um, and doing everything like ready of course was still involved in that they took care of you know some of the maintenance on the car but for the most part it was myself and my team mm -hmm. um, and then um that was also my first year with a new tire manufacturer Achilles. so just setup wasn't really going well um and it had been a while since I was on the podium, actually. The last podium I had before that was like 2017. Yeah. Um, and I was on a dry spell 2018 and pretty much the entire 19 season. I was like, man, like, it's really getting to me. Like I, I was having a really hard time. But then uh, but then Irwindale happened and there would I would say there would be no better place for myself to win than Irwindale, only because Irwindale was pretty much where I started drifting in the parking lots back in 2001, 2002. Mm -hmm. um, and it's my home course. I mean, I only live literally 10 minutes away. I can actually go to Irwin there right now. It's like five minutes from where, I, where my shop is, but mm -hmm. my family, my entire family was there. My dad, my mom, my sister, my cousins, um, my aunts, and all my friends were there. Um, and yeah, to be able to pull off a win in that, environment and the atmosphere and with all my friends and family sponsors was just uh, a, a big accomplishment for myself and my team and a dream come true so I don't know if there will ever be that sort of emotion that I felt from that night or anything that could possibly top that yeah I remember that you know uh, at Irwindale since you know uh, Toyota has a has a big 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 tent mm -hmm. when they you know bring all their you know VIPs and their yeah you know, dealers or whatever, whatnot. And they were just going crazy. You know, yeah. I, I never got to get into the Toyota um, tents uh, for the, for the good ribeyes and stuff like that. Because <laughs> if they do it again, let me know. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, he's complaining to you. I never, you know, I never get invited. No, I'm <laughs> taking notes right now. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I never get invited to the, you know, the wristband. He's taking a page out of James's book. Yeah. I'm always missing the I'm, wristbands. I'm, I, he's picking the... these things up that I'm throwing down, Sam. You see, I like it. I like it. And it's smooth. I like the way he transitioned. <laughs> so. All right, Ken. Uh, thanks for uh, being on on our show. Um, where can people find you? Where Where do our fans uh, mm -hmm. follow you and 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 uh, find you? I mean, I'm, yeah, you guys. There you go. I was gonna mention my Instagram right away, but I'm I'm actually probably the most active on Instagram as far as all my social channels go. But I do have a YouTube that I kind of barely 
update nowadays. I have a Facebook, uh, but Instagram is where it's at. I, I'm pretty up to date on what I do with my life and constantly put it up on uh, Instagram. So um, the, I guess the typical Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you guys will find me, all those. But we, I do have a website, Kangushi, wait, kgmsports.com, which is short for kangushimotorsports.com. Um, but yeah, I guess follow me and all right definitely. well you gotta how, how long are you gonna take to the drive up to uh, new jersey i'm gonna give myself five days just to that's kind of quick you know it's not really relaxed so well it's total 42 driving time or 42 hours driving it's time. A 42 hours? A, okay so eight hours a day about yeah maybe yeah. but i have a buddy that has a commercial license that's coming with me so okay just in case okay. something goes wrong well the best of luck in jersey Thanks. So, I appreciate that. Well, good yeah. luck in Jersey. Thank you. And good luck for the rest of the season. I yeah, appreciate absolutely. it. Thank you, And then hopefully we, now that things are opening up, we could see you, you know. At, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the time, um, yeah. By the time, is what, September um, now, right, or something? Correct. Yeah, yeah by the time that happens, I'm sure we'll be. Hopefully, yeah. Still, yeah. So, all right. Sounds good. Ken, it was nice seeing you again. Yeah, good seeing you guys. Thanks yeah. for having me, really. I appreciate it. That went by too awesome. fast. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. We'll do it again. Go win, sure. go win New Jersey and, uh, and maybe we'll do it all again. Yeah, Number you'll 50. be the headliner of all the people. All right. We'll headline you or die. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. We'll try to get me and die on the podium together then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'll be a good one. Okay, see you later, Ken. All right, I appreciate it, guys. Have Thank a good you. one. Good seeing you. Good seeing you guys. Oh, well, that was good. Uh, friendly, friendly, friendly guy. Yeah. Always, always good chat, catching up with him. I've known Ken since he was 16, 17 years old. I actually remember him from uh, when he was doing the Ford stuff with his dad, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We had him on uh, Best Motoring International, like in 2001 with him and Reese Millen and Kazama. Mm -hmm. uh, they all came out to uh, Streets of Willow and they, we did this little, little uh, drift, mm, drift competition cool. in the... Uh, in the MX-5. Cool, cool, cool. That's good times. Ago. Yep, good times. All right. Okay, so who's next? Uh, James, you want to go first? You want me no, to? No, I'll let this all go to you, Sam Atari. The marbles the of the magic. We think we need that facial hair because okay. that's real life Sam. <laughs> For those of you uh, who are listening to this uh, podcast, oh, uh, Mr. Sam Matani is doing... Find out new looks. Is... Uh, Steven Seagal uh, impersonation with this. It looks a very good. He just more, needs a carrot. This is more he, Tony Stark. He just needs a carrot, I think, is what he needs. Is missing carrot, this yeah. one. Let's not do the carrot again. What do you, what do you have for Wait, us? Should we go find the carrot? No, should no, I bring no, the carrot up? No carrots, or I'm taking off the uh, the, the facial hair. Mm. So, okay, so, anyways, guys, um, back in 2020, Honda released a, a small little kind of odd looking vehicle called the Honda E. Uh, and what it was, it was a little electric vehicle that would help the company transition into the EV market because it seems like that's where everyone is going these days, right? And uh, the company declared uh, a couple months ago, hold on, let me uh, put this thing into my window. Oops. So the company declared um, uh, a few months ago that every car uh, it manufacturers will be EVs by the year 2040. So they said that sometime in April. 
Um, and uh, so you know that um, they're, they're already working on a fleet of uh, EVs and they're in the works. Even though 2040 is a long time, you know, it's going to be a gradual transition. But um, by Damn. 2040, yes. I just have one question. What do you say sure. they declare? Did they have someone from the South come up and said, I hereby declare that all our cars moving forward will be electric. Is that what they mean by they declared or they did something yeah, else? Yeah, but they, no, but they would do it with a Japanese accent because they, they said it in Japan. Okay. Hereby declare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So they got they got a, a Japanese Colonel Sanders to say it. Is that what happened then? Is that how it went down? I, no, I don't know where you're getting the Southern accent. Why? Why, why is it? Have, because that's what they do. They declare. They, they'd always declare things. The oh, first okay. thing they do is I hereby declare, and that's wow, they just I, I hear so declare. I hereby declare. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, they announced. Okay, there you go. That's different then. See, so, yeah, this is it clears it up for me, Sam. Is that okay. confusion there? I'm sorry. Okay. So they announced that uh, in April that every car they build is going to be uh, electric uh, by 2040. So you could say goodbye to the gasoline, uh, the gasoline car. So, um, and uh, you guys, uh, you guys, uh, you guys might have, but most of the people listening and uh, watching this probably never heard of the Honda E because uh, unfortunately the U.S. didn't never got it. Uh, the execs probably thought the car was too small and its range is, uh, of 140 miles wasn't good a good fit for this market. And uh, and back then when they brought it out, I kind of liked how it looks. I love the little quirky design of it and everything. Uh, but I thought, come on, man. You know, I thought the Honda E would do okay here. I mean, how Look, can you... Yes, I'm, go ahead. A single tear just rolls down my face now that we don't get the Honda E. I'm <laughs> so sad. Well, I mean, come on. How many of us would take a car like this on a long extended road trip I mean, I wouldn't do it even if it had a gasoline engine. It's just, you know, it's too small for a road trip. So I don't really need that. I don't really think it makes sense with a, you know, huge range like that. And Heads up. I'm doing it. I'll take it any way you want for as long as you want. I'll do it. Okay. But the car was, uh, are you, are you being sarcastic or do you really kind of think this car is cool? I really like this car. Oh, I'd, cool. I'd like, yeah, yeah, I totally, 110% into it. Totally replace your uh, EV at home. Exactly. It's uh, a totally okay. switch out the Fiat. It, it is, okay. It is a really nice commuter you know as you can see by the photos it's really small and all but the, the, the what gets me is the price because the price uh it sold in europe for the equivalent about thirty five thousand dollars and with incentives you could probably get it under thirty thousand but um it, it would have been a niche car you know like a mini cooper or something so in that sense yeah but you know i mean if they could have got the price down a little lower i think it would have made sense here but you know under thirty thousand might be might be okay i mean uh, what do you think, James? I mean, under thirty. Totally. I mean, the thirty, and, and not the Type R, mind you. Mind you, not the no, Type just, R, the regular, just the regular yeah. car. Yeah. I mean, thirty-five thousand here. If you got it in California, that's around seven to eight thousand dollars off. So we're talking about thirty grand. Yeah. So or it's maybe under, if they bring it, you know, bring the price down even more. And it would be yeah. you'd have to drop ten percent because it'll be cheaper here than it is in Europe. So right. I think yeah, you're exactly. looking at between tw probably around twenty-five thousand if you were to buy it from a dealer. Which I think puts it in a very good market for way. Yeah, twenty five. I think might be a little optimistic, but yeah, I mean, even if at, at like twenty eight, I think it would have been cool. You know, agreed. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, well, uh, the thing is, it never did come here, uh, but there is talk from our otaku ninjas that the uh, rumored, and it's been rumored for a while now, that a Type R Honda E is in the works. So uh, right now, the Honda E, the base cars, they come in two packages. Uh, one has 136 horsepower and the other has 154 horsepower, which isn't bad. 
you know, and both with 232 pound-feet of torque, which is a pretty healthy amount of torque, uh, as all EVs, you know, have. Uh, but for a car kind of this small, the it is a bit heavy because it weighs around 3,500 pounds. So it's zero to 60 time is probably right around the eight seconds, around the neighborhood of eight seconds, which is pretty slow, especially for an EV car. But our Otaku Ninja says that if uh, Honda does come up with a Type R, it, power will be dramatically increased and will be hitting probably 200 or more and, you know, with increased torque. So that zero to 60 time will come down to six seconds or less. And then of course, with all Type R cars, you know, hand, handling upgrades would be uh, right there too. So um, we know that we, we're pretty sure uh, the Type R is going to be available. Uh, whether it's going to be coming here, we probably, I would say it's doubtful just because the Honda E is not here. But, you know, if it gets a, a, enough of a following and um, unless Honda has plans for, an, a, you know, a different, bigger EV uh, for the U.S. market, I mean, there is a chance we might see it here. But then, of course, you can say that there's probably, they're already working on a sporty EV, Honda is, uh, distance for our shores, you know, how it's going to look, what form that might take is a big question mark, but um, uh, as far as probability of the uh, what's the probability of the type type R? Is that pretty? Uh, uh, it's pretty. I would say I would say from all the research and from what our Otaku Ninjas are saying, it looks like it's eighty to ninety percent. Okay. Oh, really? Now the now the, whether it'll wear the type R is a, maybe a little less, but there's going to be a high performance one. And odds are it's going to be type R. Hey, James, did you get the interior shot of this car? I, no, I only got the exterior one. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I thought, really? Yeah. Did you get it? I, I sent it to you. Is that uh, the that box on the hood where you charge this car? Oh, Just, hold on. I'm, I'm looking for uh, the... I wonder uh, where you... Or is that the little uh, hole uh, underneath he, the emblem? No, I don't think... I, I don't think the, uh, uh, the base car has that. Okay. Um, so uh, hold on, James. I will show you an interior of this. Or, or you know what? Actually, James, the interior is on the um, what you call it, the uh, internet. So sure, I'll just go track it down. Yeah, if you One have that, it's, it's really cool because it has uh, these you know uh, a huge video thing, you know, a monitor that goes pretty much across the dash. Um, so it's it's it, it would you know, and it actually even shows you like zen-like scenes to calm you down during. You know, while you're maybe waiting at a red light or something. So how big is this car compared to the Nissan Leaf? I, I think it's about the same size. That's a good question. It's, uh, I can't it's remember. Much the smaller. Leaf, it's, it's much smaller. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Leaf is a four-door. This one is, um, uh, where's the photo of this? It's thing? literally like the Fiat that, that, that James owns. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, and that Fiat's a pretty small car, right, James? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's tall, but it's small. Okay, so, so yeah, kind of the same, same, same type of car. I mean, what do you think, Taro? Is this something that would go into your uh, could fit? I mean, I think Melania would enjoy driving it. Your kids, when they get you know to that age. Yeah, I think it's a good car. Um, I, I might be a little too small for to be a, a family car for. The average. No, American I think family. yeah, I think if anything, it is a, it, it isn't going to be your only car, right? It's going to be your yeah. It's going to be your For little sure. yeah, your little commuter, your little uh, what you call it car, your you know, get yeah. your errands done kind of a car. Mm -hmm. you know? so, yeah. 
So anyways, um, yeah, maybe take take the kids to you know oh, school or you know soccer practice yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, is that it? That's the E. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's that. There's the there's the um, uh, interior. So it's pretty cool looking interior. Yeah. You know? And there's your there's your there's your kind of there's nature scenes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the thing. So um, and it's pretty classy, you know, with the wood there and everything. So I mean, they're obviously the type will probably be all with you know like carbon fiber stuff in there or something, you know, instead of the wood. But I'll go ahead, James. Sorry, I was going to say you can see where they why it is coming out in at a premium. I mean, the materials on the inside are significantly nicer than, for example, what I've got in my Fiat. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly point. with the wood. I mean, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is a really good car. I mean, I really like it. Oh hey James, is there a photo of the car with the hood? Uh, uh, you can see it on the with the hood. Just because I, if I I don't know if that's where you charge it. I'm pretty sure you charge it on the side, Carl, because you were asking that. Yeah, I was just asking because the, you know the leaf has it right in the center. Mm -hmm. um, I just but, the, uh, but yeah, but the, all the all of them have the uh, have the uh, what you call it. Yeah, the, uh, you're right. It, it does. It does. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is right the hood. There. Yeah, there yeah. it is. So. Oh, hey, James, go back uh, uh, one one again. And then, you know, out of the thing, uh, if you backtrack uh, on the on the uh, photos you had before, I saw a red one that's another version of the Type R that, uh, oh, there it is, right? And oh, yeah, that's it, that's it, yeah. So that's, that's uh, someone else's uh, version of the Type R. So as you can see, the Type R has been um, in the rumor mill for a while. And uh, we just heard from Otaku Ninjas, it's like 80%. That they're going to be building this thing so comes with a little this one looks a little different than the yeah. one with that the, the one we just showed from best car because of the uh wing and all that stuff so yeah. mm -hmm. so anyways yeah uh it, it is a four it is a four door so you know it is a family car but um as you guys pointed out it's small it's not something you, you mean a, it's it's a two door with four seats i think you mean pretty no, much instead, of a, pretty instead much. of a four door oh no i think it has uh rear doors it just doesn't, you know, just they don't have the door handles there. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. the way it goes down. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little different than your Fiat. Because your Fiat's a two, though, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. So, so no, this, yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, uh, just uh, be prepared for a barrage of uh, electric cars to come from Honda. And uh, especially with this uh, Honda E Type R, especially if they build it or a, a sporty version of it, um, it just, you know, I would make it feel like good that Honda has not abandoned the sporty car realm, even when they transition to EVs. So let this be kind of a precursor of things that come from Honda. Mm -hmm. So, so anyways, that's my report. Uh, be on the lookout for it uh, in Europe and Japan and hopefully here, but if not here, we'll get something else. I wonder what uh, Honda's planning for the U.S. market in terms of electric cars. I mean, yeah, that's that, they have something planned, and we hope right. there's going to be a sporty offering. And we're hoping that you know them building a on the E Type R is a precursor to something that you know they are thinking of sporty. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the, the E is going to make it here to the states, but uh, I, to, I was just curious to see what they have. Um, I'm really curious to see what they have um, for the U.S. market. You know, it's got to be know, a in bit... 14 years we could get Shonda at a at, at whatever what, what's a top rank uh, to send, oh. <laughs> send one over from Europe. 20, 25 years 25 years oh is it 25 years 24 years 24 years because it's already been out one year yeah uh, so so anyways that's uh, that's my re uh, scoop report for the day or for the week uh james 
Certainly, one moment, caller, as I get over here and try and see if I can share what I've got. Oh, now that my thing is over, I'm going to. While you're uh, doing that, um, for thanks for uh, all our fans, fans watching. Uh, make sure, please, uh, subscribe to our uh, uh, to our podcast. All the platforms we're available on. Um, also, our YouTube uh, channel. We have a PodSpeed YouTube channel uh, apart from the GT channel channel so yeah where everything's kind of broken up so you could kind of pick and choose what you exactly, want exactly exactly and then we have full episodes on gtchannel.com as well so uh, and full episodes on facebook and full episodes on facebook obviously we stream live every other week so you can't get rid of us no we're everywhere and avoid us yeah <laughs> it's good all right all right james okay, james is ready so first up We've got the Toyota Venza Limited as the vehicle that I've been in for the past couple of days. Now, you might be thinking the Venza. I haven't heard that name in a while. And that's correct because it actually disappeared. It went away in 2015 and has come back in 2021. I hate to say this, but I didn't even know. There you go, Sam C. Now you do. Like, now you do. It's like the unwanted person at a party. Oh, were you there? I, I didn't even know. It's like some guy coming up to you and say, "Oh man, sorry, I was gone for so long." And yeah, you go, "Oh yeah, okay, whatever." You were gone, really? I didn't notice you were yeah. gone. So, anyways, wow, the Venza is does not look like a Venza anymore, does it? So it's obviously, as you can it's see, it is way better. Wow, like this looks RX. Better. Looks like a Lexus RX. It does. It it does look like a Lexus RX, so I think it certainly plays upon that as one of its strengths here. Um, but essentially, it's got the same running gear as that you find in the Toyota RAV4 hybrid. So it comes in around 219 horsepower, um, but it is a lot more stylish, I would think, than the RAV4. Um, and it's a lot more luxurious. Mm. Um, is it bigger than the RAV4, James? It, it looks bigger, but it it's looks actually bigger from here. it's actually smaller on the inside wow, because of really? its svelte really? features. Yes, so that's one. I would say in that regard, it's one of the drawbacks. So I actually had to take this on some errands this weekend um, and fit a few large items in the back. Mm -hmm. And it there wasn't while the, the everything goes down, it was a little tight back there, and just trying to fit everything in. What on um, earth were you putting back there? I had had a, a fun family-filled trip to Ikea. So obviously uh -huh. you can imagine afterwards yes. when I got home, there was absolutely no up smooth, easy, no pressure there whatsoever. So a trip to uh, Ikea and then Home Depot. Um, ah, Do-it-yourself week, huh? Exactly. It was All one right. of those weekends where I thought I'd just cry as much as I could on a Sunday and then try and get back to the working week on a Monday. Um, but I mean, it looks great. It feels very nice on the inside. You're getting good economy. I think we're averaging around 30 plus miles per gallon. Um, one thing that, I, that is a real interesting and fun feature of this is actually the, the glass sunroof they've got there, which can make clear and opaque with the press of a button. So mm. They call that the stargaze sunroof, mm. which is... And it goes across the whole length of the car pretty much basically yeah so it covers the two rows of seats mm -hmm. nice so that's that's one of the fun features so i i take this as one of those say it's more of a luxury option when you're looking at um toyota uh, which is interesting because obviously it's certainly fits in very similar as you mentioned with the rx 350 it's similar size uh in that regard 
but it comes in at around $40,000, as we saw there. I think ours, the one I've got, is just over 40000 including destination. But this is the limited version, which is the highest, right? Monitor, yeah. Yeah. You can buy on the vent. This is the San Matani version we like Top to say in the, the industry trade. That's <laughs> that's where we go. Whereas I'm more of at the, the bottom end. I mean, I think if yeah. we uh, don't sell yourself short games. You're you're right there with me, buddy. No, no, no. I'm definitely <laughs> LE model, whereas I think Tara was sitting there in the middle of the XLE where I've got Sam Matani who doesn't get out of bed unless it's a limited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, well, yeah, all right. So it starts around thirty-two thousand and then goes all the way up to thirty-nine. Mm. Um oh. Another thing I did like was obviously you could see this parked out the front of Sam's house, one of his many ads that he got here in Southern California. It's a rental. Uh, and I, and I know now it is, Sam, because you're not staying there anymore. You've had enough of it. Renting it out. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as I skim back through the photos so we can see through, one thing I did like was the size of the screen in the middle. Um, it was really, really large, to be honest. Um, very easy to reach, straightforward and nice and very easy to navigate and go through, which is obviously a step up from some of the other ones, which I felt was, this was nicer than the uh, RAV4. Yeah, the interior looks really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Looks really think, nice. It's a good looking car, I think. Yeah. And it, it, it is. It doesn't look like a Venza. Venza, I remember, was almost like kind of minivanish SUV, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. Oh, that's right. oh it's I, full on SUV. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Luxury, I would say. So this, if you're looking for one, if you if you're not going to, if this is the one for like driving the kids around to school and so forth and going to the shops as opposed to wanting to get out like Tara went to the desert, I think this is a very good option in regards to Why that. wouldn't you just buy the Lexus RX then? Is the price difference that much of a difference? Yeah, if I just let me pull up the Lexus RX price point to see where we're at. Um, let's see where we're at in regards to. Yeah, it's a good looking car. I think I could. Yeah, Taro, remember when the Venza first came out, we were like making fun of its name going, what the heck were they thinking? Yeah. Calling it Venza because Venza kind of means, uh, you know, toilet seat. Toilet seat. <laughs> That's why they don't sell this car in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if you start with the the Venza, uh, the, sorry, the RX starts at around forty-five, uh, $46,000 plus okay. change. So it'd be forty-seven. So it's, it's yeah, it's twenty percent, and that's and that's not obviously as nice as them. So you're looking at one that's probably going to be. Um, yeah, well, the hybrid yeah so it's and this comes at, in a hybrid too right this the, no the the venza is a hybrid that's oh it is okay. yeah. is that the only one is but it does come with an engine uh gasoline engine too right regular or is it just hybrid it's just the hybrid it just comes oh, the wow. same oh, yeah okay. i didn't really yeah and so, they have an all-wheel drive and a uh, this one it looks like is an all-wheel drive but do they have like uh you know like a front-wheel drive version as well that's a little bit more cheaper no they all come in all-wheel drive really all, all of them all-wheel drive or hybrids oh interesting yeah it's not, so, a car you, it's not a car you want to take off road though you know it looks just almost too nice well that's what i mean this is the one where you want to have the ability to if i think this would be good for example if you did live maybe in the pacific northwest where it's a lot of rain and uh, deal with and so yeah. forth so you get yeah, the safety and the security of the all the safety features and so forth but if you go to the lexus route i think you'd probably be looking at a ten thousand dollar differential between the two Especially with the hybrid, right? RX hybrid. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, that, I mean, then you're obviously getting a lot more power in the Lex as well, which will impact the fuel economy a little bit. So it won't be quite as good. So this is, I'd say it is if you, the comparison I'd best make is this is you either want to go with the Venza or the RAV4 if you want to keep it within the same lineup. 
Hey, what uh, what car, what uh, vehicle would this thing uh, compare to from other manufacturers? What are it, what are its, what are its cross shopping rivals? I think that, for example, the one, the, the big one that everyone puts a target on is the Honda Passport. I think is the one that people mm -hmm. mostly okay. like this to say is the, is the is the one of the top ones in that field. Would the Atlas be in that thing too? Um, I know you drove both of them. No, the Atlas is a lot bigger. To oh, be it fair. is. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Atlas. I mean, is three row. The uh, the Atlas crosser, uh, the Sport. Um, is still a lot bigger, I feel, than this. Mm, okay. um, but I mean, if it was me, I might probably move away from the Venza and go with the Prime because I like the the uh, Rav Four Prime because I like the plug-in potential with that, where you got the forty miles of plug-in electricity. Oh, this is this, this this is just a straight okay. hybrid, not a plug-in hybrid. Maybe that maybe they might look to a plug-in hybrid in the, down the line in the next year or two. I could see that as being a possibility, sticking in that sort of realm. Um, but what the thing that really, really disappoints me and drives me insane about all the Toyota hybrids and electric vehicles is the noise that they produce in electric mode. I mean, I think it's starting to make me go insane. Well, well, I, I can't remember what kind of noise did it make. It's, it's not supposed to make a noise, but... You don't like the hum? No, the hum is awful. The hum really, really drives me insane. So, I mean, if I would pay tens of thousands of dollars to remove that hum, it's that bad. It's awful. You can't, you can't just turn up your stereo? No, no. It pipes it through. It's awful. It's, it's really bad. I'm really? Like, and like, I'm, you, can't, you can hear it, like, even if we have the radio on? It's yes. artificial, right? It's, it's an artificial, artificial sound. So it's, it's, oh. the idea is it's meant to project it to people outside the vehicle so you don't run them over because it's yeah. electric. Well, they hear so you coming. Those, yeah, yeah. but I'm like, look, if you get hit by my car that's an electric, it's your own fault, and you can't say you didn't see it. It's your own fault. That's it. Yeah, it it is it is an annoying sound. I mean, um, we we have a uh, we have a neighbor that drives an electric car, and uh, it just the sound of it is like you know, just like a high power golf cart. You know, it's like this. It's just like sounds so. What's no, it's like, I feel like the Toyota one is like this earthy, this electronic earthy sound. Really? It's like someone just pressed two keys on an electronic keyboard from 1984. And it just is like really, really loud. And it's like, oh, it's so annoying. But yeah. All right. Other than, other than that, other than the sound. I James' nerves. I just turn up that sound so much. You, you can't turn it down, Sam. It's only one, one volume. No, no, no. I mean, I'm going to pipe it through my computer so you can listen to it while we do Oh, thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate that. Yes, but uh, <laughs> net results saying, I think this is a very nice car. It's been great for the time we've had it. It looks good. It looks sporty. It looks athletic. It's very nice on the inside. It's very easy, comfortable to cruise around and gets good fuel economy. So I think it's a good option for people out there looking to spend. And when can we read even more details on this uh, at gtchannel.com? It should hopefully, if someone gets to put it up, it should be going up live this weekend. Whoa. Okay. Very good. Very quick. Speaking of uh, what's going on on gtchannel.com. Oh, what a transition. Very good, Taro. Thank you. But James, I don't know if James is finished yet. Are you finished, James? Uh, that's me done. <laughs> well, actually, no, let's, let's quickly bring up GT Channel articles and we can talk about them on that. Well, James, you have a couple of articles uh, that you've... Um, the last hey, speaking of, your, uh, speaking of a and the Monterey Car Week article that we've but heard. not only that, Tara, I wanted to see understand how we've had Stockton Clay <laughs> making know. articles 
I mean, here I was thinking it was a fictional character. But yeah. it would appear Stockton is real. Stockton is real. Stockton is a bot that uh, gtchannel.com's AI uh, runs and owns. Yeah, and he's uh, he's 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 pretty plugged into Nissan. Uh, that's the uh, one of the lead designers of the Z. Uh, and there, there's a uh, Matsuda-san, the uh, GT500 uh, Super uh, GT Series driver. He was a uh, uh, oh, and I think on that story you see the um, uh, instrument panel for the um, uh, the new Z at in action. You know, with the driving lights and everything. If you click on it, James, you can see it. Uh, the racing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's it's a GIF, so you don't even have to keep going down, keep going down. Yeah, that one. See, you see see the mm -hmm. race, see the uh, shift lights on the top. Mm -hmm. The new Z is going to have that. So this is pretty much the new Z instrument panel. Nice. Yeah. So maybe maybe Nissan might let us me take one for a ride for a week, Taro, if we if they're nice to if I'm nice to them or they're nice. That, to that, that was actually Mr. Matsuda San, the race driver. His input. He's the one who said told Tamura San. You know our friend Mr. Tomer, the chief product specialist of the Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should put that in because that's you know brings it. Uh, actually, tomorrow went to him and says, "Hey, I want to give it a racy flavor. What you know? What which, what do you suggest we put in there?" And he says, "Hey, let's put this thing in there because you know all race cars have it. And it really helps when you're uh, you know when you're uh, attacking a race course. So so hmm. that's how it's in the Z. And also we we got the sort of run up to Monterey Car Week this year. So oh. I'll look at some of the important um, mm -hmm. events happening in Monterey, which hopefully I'll be attending this year. Oh, yeah. Monterey and all its millions of dollars of metal. Mm -hmm. And the historics too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Happening that weekend as well, which is always And then let's out. have a look at this super rare Mugen RR fetching over $120,000, Tara. Yeah, so this is the latest article that we just posted. Um, thanks to Andrew out there. Shout out to Andrew. Um, so, Sam, can you believe this uh, uh, Type R, this FD2 Mugen Type it's, R? It's a Mugen, so yeah. It's a Mugen. It uh, yeah. 300 were made. So it's not like, you know, just one or two. We're talking about 300 were made. They're out in the wild. And this thing is fetching over $120,000 in, in what do you think about that? I think that's a heck of a lot of money, but it is a cool car. But, you know, well, it's good to see that, you know, some of these JDM cars are, you know, they're they're becoming classics. But, yeah, 120000 bucks for this car is, is, is pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's I mean, to the, 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 yeah, just to follow up. And I love Mugen. And I've, you know, I've actually met the founder of Mugen uh, a couple times, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Honda, who is Soichiro's you know, the founder of Honda's son. So, yeah. and he founded Mugen and uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He had a bit of a financial controversy back in the nineties or 2000, but mm -hmm. uh, still. I'm sure he'll appreciate you bringing that back up. Well, it wasn't, I, yeah. it wasn't his fault, uh, but it was, you know, he, he kind of cut, he, he took the blame and covered for someone. But uh, that being said, that maybe that story for another day, Sam, that story for another day. It's great to see the uh, company still around and, they're being appreciated, you know. Yeah, one hundred twenty thousand—that's a—that's a lot of money. Yeah, the value of these, you know, JDM cars. I mean, I don't think it's going to flatten out anytime soon. I mean, every little, you know, JDM car you see out in the international uh, auction has has 
been able to, you know, grab some pretty, pretty high, uh, high value. Tara, what are the R34s going for? They're like over a hundred thousand easy, right? Well, the, yeah, they're, they're like average getting, getting okay. to that point. Um, yeah. And just because there's just not a lot of them out there, you know, these yeah. days anymore. And so the, the Japanese market um, no longer has them. I mean, it's like really hard to find like good, uh, good condition R34s. Hey, what is a, what is like a Toyota 2000 GT going for these days? I mean, they're easily over a hundred thousand dollars, but we, Looking at three, four hundred thousand dollars these days. I'm wondering what. I I, I don't know. A two thousand GT. Yeah. Two thousand GT is probably. I mean, if an R34 is going. There's not that many left. hundred K. I, I yeah. would. And you know the one they used in G James Bond, the one they uh, cut off the roof for Sean Connery. That car. You know there are convertibles out there, but that car supposedly doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. So. Hmm. So. Why 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 doesn't it? It's oh, it, it, it's either got wrecked or it got oh, lost. It's it got just, lost. Uh, it just got uh, lost. Yeah. yeah. But uh, here's a question for you guys. Now, let's say you guys did have the money, uh, you know, uh, some extra cash laying around. Would did would you guys think buying uh, the Lexus? Um, uh, what was it called? The LFA would be a good investment. It's over four hundred thousand dollars. Probably cost you about five hundred thousand to get into it now. But is that a car that would be worth millions? and millions someday, like a Ferrari or whatever, being right now is, a, you know, most exotic, um, most exotic, I don't know if it's highest horsepower, but most exotic uh, and most expensive sports car ever to come out of Japan, production car. Would that be an investment? In LFA? I, 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 I'm, I'm putting that out to the panel. You're, so That'd be something you would say, hey, maybe, you know, I've got 500,000 lying around. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe I'll buy that, not not drive it too much, and just let the damn thing appreciate. Because, do you, I mean, is that a car that you would you would you would think that you would get a good ROI return on investment? The LFA. Yeah. Yes, I I think so. You think that would be worth millions at some point? Yeah. In, in, in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because there are a limited number of them, right? Made. Yes. That's the the scarcity of the car. And, and the specialty of it, you know, exactly makes it $400,000 car when it came oh, out. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes it a potential, you know, unicorn in the future. So if some millionaire guy or multimillionaire said, Hey, Taro, you know, I'm thinking of buying an LFA just for investment purposes. I'll drive it around a little bit. You would say, yeah, you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I had $5,000 laying around yeah. and I would, I can add it to my, you know. And then Matt Ferris says, oh, you can store it in my uh, car storage here place for free. Or free or not. If I had $500,000 that I can spend, you know, for my 100th car collection. <laughs> oh, well, no, no, you don't have a hundred cars. You only have like three. So if I had three, I don't know if I would buy a $500,000 car at that point. But you would think about it, it'd be an investment. You would get that money back, according to you, and, and some. Yeah, but if some dude came to me who's a collector and, and asked me if I should get, if he should get an LFA, I would definitely say, yeah. You too, James? You think for sure that's going to be a, uh, just, you know, be a, be a little treasure? I don't really move around in circles like you do, Sam. So <laughs> I don't have friends that have the ability to come up to me and be like, Sam, I've got this uh, briefcase full of unmarked bills. What should I do with it? I don't roll around. I'd have someone more likely come to me and say, James, 
I've got five thousand dollars to spend on a car. <laughs> oh, come on. What should I? I'm it's not running in those wrong. limited circles James, like you are. No, I think you will come to you, James, and say, James, I've got five hundred thousand dollars. I need to launder and hide. Should I buy the LFA? Well, that's and then I'd be like, speak to my friend Sam Matani and his island in Hawaii, um, and his a dream, his holiday home in Miliwake, and then he will be the one that can sort you out in regards to that. Actually, I was just in Maui, and it was. Of course you were, Sam. Of course you were just in Maui. I mean, how many homes do you have? You You guys. And anyone, if anyone's uh, uh, planning on heading over to Hawaii anytime soon, just remember. I think uh, around uh, a few months into the COVID, COVID shutdown, they, I think all the rental car agents sold the, all their cars. Uh, you cannot get a, a rental car there. And if you try to get one, if the, it, it's, it'll cost you over four or 500 bucks a, a day. So we, did, we, we ended up um, uh, uh, just hiring our Lyft driver to be our personal driver. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, you know, so, or Uber driver or someone. And so, uh, because uh, other people, you know what they're doing? They're smart. They're actually renting U-Haul um, moving trucks and using them just as transportation. It's, it's a lot cheaper than getting a rental car. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's the that's the state of affairs in Hawaii. So it's a, and things are opening up. It was beautiful, you know. But uh, rental cars are are going to be tough. If you're at a resort and you're going to stay there, then no problem. So Tara, just remember that. So when you do go to Hawaii, be like Sam, just hire a private driver in the Escalade well, to take true. you from point A to point B. It's, it's yeah. cheaper than getting a rental car. So, you know. I'm, and then when you do that, you just get the private yacht. Yeah. Just get that, just shepherd yeah. you around the islands. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, my yeah, yacht is there. So you guys buy can the Bentley. Buy what? the Bentley while you're there and then just sell it. Just exactly. Just walk straight into the, oh, the dealership. Wait, I, I, no, I, I was actually thinking that maybe we'll just go buy a clunker and then just sell it on the way back. But, you know, that's a lot of problem, you know, too much trouble, but dude, it was, it was something that crossed my mind. I mean, 400 bucks a day for a yeah, you can, you can you can just buy a car and just sell it. Almost, almost. Cause if you're there for like five days, that's two grand. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so anyways, anyways, uh, just a little, uh, travel, uh, advice to anyone maybe heading to Hawaii. So, okay. Well, uh, are you done? Uh, are- you guys, uh, um, thinking about traveling starting to travel this year or or what i already did i just went to maui for i mean that was for vacation so that was your for your birthday for your yeah, 25th birthday. birthday yeah a little bit yeah a little bit of my birthday too my yeah my 35th is 75th is that what you said tara 75th i don't think sam's 75 tara that's mean 25 he's not a day over 70 a day over 70 thank you thank you, thank you. It's, it's 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 the it's the skin cream that i use it's really good anyways uh, are you done tara i'm done yeah uh, James, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little uh, quick uh, rundown or no breaking? Certainly. So last week we had Stephanie Lizette on a pinstriper. So she was great to talk oh, about her. She is actually a female working in the male-dominated world of lowrider culture and pinstriping. She's an incredible artist, so you can listen all about her story. She actually, funnily enough, has a penchant for JDM vehicles. So she's got a 240SX that she wants to do up all in pinstripes. So I mean, she is certainly one to look out for. This week, we have a noted Porsche aficionado, mechanic, crew chief, driver, uh, every racer, anything else under the sun related to Porsche and classic cars in Florida, Kevin Jeanette. Um, most recently, we heard of Kevin racing with Justin and his dad, Derek Bell, there um, in, the, in the endurance racing there and one of the Porsche, the 962s. 
So he's up talking about his career. So it's great to ha- make some time with him and, and, and have him on the podcast. Awesome. So nice. those, it could be downloaded anywhere podcasts are downloaded. And it comes out every Wednesday, as always. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends and everything else. And Taro, you've, uh, you, you've, uh, you've pimped out anything. You've pimped out everything you need to pimp out, yeah? Yes, I have uh, pimped out everything I need to pimp. Okay, uh, so I've mostly pimped out gtchannel.com. So make sure, guys. Subscribe, okay. subscribe to Podspeed, guys. And uh, we will be back in two weeks um with special a guest special we'll- guest but if it's not a special guest it's going to be us three just shooting the breeze <laughs> and just talking about all things automotive we still is- might have a different special guest but we're oh, working on a very special guest right now and so anyways can't disclose at this moment yet but no not yet just but- tune in next week okay so that's it for pod speed for middle of june and we will see you at the end of june talk to you guys later peace out Hot speed. Hot speed TV. Okay.